Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray and let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This month, I want to deal with a series. Uh, well, it's, it's a combination of series, right? Or in kingdom success or however you want to call it. But I just want to deal on some basic things that can make us successful on the earth. How many of you enjoyed the series for this course? Ah, it was awesome. Amen. So, next month, we're going to start teaching on the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's going to be powerful. And make sure you're in the Wednesday services, because on Wednesday, I'm doing a series called Places, People, and Purpose. They all tie up into what we're talking about. So, every Sunday, I'm going to have a new topic, but everything is going to fall on the kingdom living or wisdom for living. Today we want to look at the restraining power of vision. Everybody say the restraining power of vision. The restraining power of vision. You know, every time we talk about vision, what comes into people's mind is what I want to do. What I want to accomplish. Something I need to do. Something that needs to be done. But in my study, I I began to observe that People do not fulfill their visions because they do not talk about restraint. Restraint. Your vision restrains you from doing certain things. You know, there is, I wrote an article many years ago, uh, and it's simply tied on the fact that a lot of people actually say they want to be successful, they want to do well in life, but they have the habits that will not help them to do well. And all you need to fail in life is just to leave. Just leave, you will fail. By default, failure is programmed into humanity. I'll give you a typical example. If you want to do things that will help you, you get tired easily. How many of you know that you get tired saving money, but it's really nice spending money? Okay, those of you here don't spend, eh? Come on, how many of you know to spend money is easy? How many of you have spent some amount of money and you realize, where did that money go to? You know, when you're like, how much do you have in your pocket? Like 50,000. You feel, ah, man, I've got 50,000. And then you go to the market. She's like, I like biscuits. Give me two. And then by the time you look at it, she's like, what? Why? Because by default, spending is easier than saving. You cannot be successful if you have downhill habits. To fall, just let yourself be. Come on. To fall, just let yourself be. But to climb, you've got to put in some effort. If your vision does not restrain you, then you have not had a vision yet. So, let's look at a popular passage of the scripture. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 17. Proverbs 29 and verse 17. Proverbs 29 verse 17 says, Correct your son and he will give you comfort. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Now let's look at this now. 
He says, if you want comfort, the process to comfort is correcting your child. Now, correction and comfort don't look like the same thing. But he's saying, listen, if you want to produce comfort, you have to go through the pathway of correction. If you make the child comfortable, you're not going to be comforted. If you want the child to comfort you in your later years, you've got to go through the pathway of correction. So, correction is what breeds comfort in the future. Come on, how many of you understand what I'm saying? Now, that correction can come in many ways, but you see, none of us like to be corrected. In fact, it takes humility to be corrected. Whenever you're corrected, the first human sign is defense. Nobody agrees they are wrong. Even if you catch a thief, he will tell you it's because of the way the country is that on his normal self, he's not a thief. But because... Are you you hearing what I'm saying now? So, the scripture is saying, listen, if you want comfort in the future, the pathway to comfort is correction today. So, ultimately, you determine your future by your daily habits. You know, most of us wish to have a good life. Nobody comes in this life and says, you know what, God, I'm just asking you for one thing. Just make me poor. Just make me broke. You know, nobody, nobody, I mean, nobody prays that. But then when you really look at people and you really want to study their habits and you ask them, what kind of habit do you have? You would realize that people have habits that do not contribute to their future because they do not want restraint. You need to pay attention to this. So, it goes on to say, come on, go to the next verse. Verse 18. It says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. That's what the New American Standard Bible uses. That's what the NIV uses. The King James Version uses the word perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, when we say the people perish, we just feel like where there's no vision, the people will die. No, they will not necessarily die. They would be alive, but they will not be impactful. They will just be living. Now, the, the, the Hebrew word for perish is the word para. Para is P-A-R-A-W-H in the, Greek, in the Hebrew. And let me give you an example of what para is, so you understand that. Now, some, some of our ladies got lovely hairs, you know, just all these flying hairs and all that. You know, if they climb on a bike, and then that hair is not tied. What do you think is going to happen to the hair as the bike starts going off? Come on, how many of you think you know what's going to happen? Come on, you're a prophet. You can't miss this. How many of you think you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the hair? Don't worry, your wife won't get offended. Just say it. What's going to happen to the hair? It's going to fly all over. That's para. You can actually say the hair is going to para. It's going to fly all over. But if you want that hair in shape, what are you going to do to it? You're going to tie it. So the hair that is not tied lacks vision. And how do I know this hair lacks vision? It's going to fly all over the place. Now, it means freedom is not our goal. Vision is our goal. I just want to be free. I just want to be free to do what I like. No, 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 no. That's that's perishing. That's para. (laughs) No, no. That's an unrestrained life. Are you following what I'm saying now? Come on. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, if you've got vision, 
then they have to be restrained. That vision will produce restraint. So you cannot tell me that you are living a vision-driven life when you don't have restraint. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Are you still here? Laws are not bad. Laws are self-imposed for maximum productivity. When you go to Dubai, for instance, and you are on the train in Dubai, any of the train, right? If you read, let me give you one advice. Here we don't read signboard. We don't read things. We just assume. Because if a policeman catch you, you can just say, excuse me, excuse me. Let me see you. Let me see you. See, officer. So what are you saying? <laughs> so the first time I went to Dubai, sat on the train. I was reading around. And I saw that if you eat on this train, you're like 10,000 dirham. Your money is quite higher than ours. When I saw that inscription, any out of hunger, desire to eat, do you understand what I'm saying? Disappeared instantly. You know why? There is a restraint there and that is why the city is clean. Are, are you following what I'm saying now? That, so, so let's put it this way, right? I want the vision of a clean city. It's okay. The next question to ask yourself is what are the restraints that will produce that vision? Are you, are you with me? But you know that's not the case here. In fact, if you get into a bus and the bus conductor says you should not eat granite on the bus, you will quarrel. So where will I eat it? Are you following what I'm saying? And then when you are finished eating to a point, what do you do? Come on, what do you do? What do you do? Be honest now. What do you do? You wind down. And do what? And fling it out. That's para. No restraints. And what are we going to do tomorrow? We look back tomorrow and say, why is the country like this? The country is like this because we don't have restraints. Come on, are you with me? Your life is the way it is based on the level of restraints you have put on it. Most people wish things to happen. They don't have the discipline to make it happen. It says, where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic vision, when God has spoken about your life, there are restraints that goes with vision. And, and this is becoming so strong in my heart because I feel that we need to understand that we cannot preach freedom without restraints. If we need to produce quality life, quality churches, come on, how many of you follow what I'm saying? There's got to be certain restraints. We cannot wake up when we want to, read when we want to, give when we feel like, pray when we feel like, go to church when we feel like, and expect to have a good life. There's got to be restraints. You know, when I was praying over this message, one phrase came up in my heart. You cannot have a chicken vision. You cannot have an eagle vision. And have the habits of chicken. It do not work. Most times our vision and our habits do not match. We've got a big vision. But poor habits. Praise God. Are you still here? Come on talk to me. Are you still here? 
So the word para means to be bare, to go back, to let, to be naked, to expose, to dismiss, to uncover, not clothed, not making progress, where there is no vision. When, when people do not receive a prophetic revelation from God, they cannot walk in that restraint. You realize that when God spoke to Israel, after speaking to Israel about taking them to Canaan, the next thing God did was to give them over 635 laws to keep. Why did He give them those laws? Although they were a picture of pointing to Christ, but He gave them those laws in the natural to manage their process into the land of Canaan. So after having an instruction from God that I'm taking you to Canaan, the next thing are the restraints. You cannot behave like other nations. You cannot do this like other nations. We want to be like other people and yet have a unique life. And that's the struggle that we have. That's the struggle that we have. So he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Let's look at the definition of the word unrestrained first. Unrestrained. To be unrestrained is to be immoderate, not restrained. To be uncontrolled. Uncontrolled. Okay? To be free of constraints, spontaneous. You live spontaneously. You act spontaneously. You talk spontaneously. You spend spontaneously. When we first, when we first got married, one of the things we had to deal with, you know, with my wife especially, was, was, I mean, when I say we had to deal with it, it wasn't an issue, but what the things we introduced, let me use that word, I think that's a better word, was when she said, I want to go to the market, then I said, let me see what you want to buy. Now, it wasn't because I don't trust her, or no, 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 it wasn't a, I had built myself that I don't spend money without writing what I'm spending down. My budget determines my purchase, not the any way around, not the other way around. Till today, still the same thing. Till tomorrow, still the same thing. It's not because whether I have or I don't have. Principles do not respond to emotions. Are you following this now? I remember a couple of months ago, you know, my daughter is always, you know, how when kids go and make conflicts, the milk is more than the conflicts. So they got back to me, I think it was the second, second week of that month. And that milk is finished. I said, no, the milk is finished, but the months, the days in the month are still remaining. And she understood clearly. That was the last we had of that conversation. It's not that I can't buy milk. No, but that milk is for the month. So if you finish the milk on the third, the next milk comes on the first of November. It's not poverty, it's not prosperity. It's principles. So when next you go to the milk container, as you take a spoon, you remember the date of the month. 30 spoons, 30 days. They have to be restrained. God can prosper you and you will eat your way back into poverty. Excesses is not a sign of prosperity. It's lack of vision. And that's simple. It's not debatable. It's not a prayer point. It's not as if I can't buy it. And I told my wife very simple. If you want to buy from your money, you can bless us. For me, there is nothing. If you put salt, I will eat. You take out salt, I will eat. There is nothing you put and don't put that will make me to feel no, no, nothing. nothing. I will just convert it to fasting. Say, what will happen to the children? They won't die. 
Because there's something about becoming successful and losing track of restraints. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're no longer moderate. Because, the, because we always have this sense of arrival. Because immediately I am better than my brother, then I've made it. But God is not measuring you against your brother. God is measuring you against your potential. What is your potential? What can you become? What has He designed you to become? So it doesn't mean if I'm better than you, then I'm, no, no, a thousand times no. Come on, is someone still in the service? What's the meaning of restraint? To restrain means to prevent from doing something. Restrain means to prevent from doing something. To limit, to restrict. You've got to have limits in your, uh, in your life. You've got to have restrictions in your life. And these are not words we like. These are not words we like. We don't like limits. We don't like restrictions. To moderate. To deprive of liberty. If you want your vision to come to pass, you've got to deprive yourself of certain liberties. These have to be self-imposed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why before you get married or you're married, you need to sit down and have these discussions. So that yourself and your wife, you're on the same page. Because certain things, you know, people can do other things, but I cannot do them. There are restrictions in my life because of vision. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're pregnant, if you're a woman, and you go for antenatal, you realize that one of the things they'll begin to teach you is what to eat or what not to eat, and what, to, what you can drink. Because you're carrying a baby, there are restrictions in your life. And I also remember, they, they used to tell ladies, a lot of ladies don't do it now, I don't know whether they do it, but not to wear very tight trousers. Most ladies don't wear maternity gown now because they are swag, swag and Instagram ladies. Huh? They tell you, don't wear tight trousers. Because before you got pregnant, you could wear tight trousers where you could hardly breathe. But now you're carrying a baby. You're carrying a vision. And for the process of nine months, it is required that you do not eat this. It's not how you feel. You see, if you live by how you feel, you can give birth to a baby you don't want. And instead of the baby to be a bouncing baby boy, then the baby doesn't bounce. Are you following what I'm saying now? Because what you eat will affect that child. It's the same thing with a man who's got a vision. If I have a vision, I cannot watch every movie. I cannot read every book. I cannot be available all the time. My vision will restrict my intake. There are certain movies I cannot watch, not because they are bad in that sense, but they are not consistent with my vision. So these are vision decisions. So there's got to be restriction. You've got to deprive yourself of certain liberty. And I want to say this. The more successful you become in this world, fulfilling God's purpose on your life, the more restrictions you have to put on yourself. That's very important. Vision is therefore the source of discipline. Goals are overrated. Commitments are underrated. 
Goals are overrated. Commitments are underrated. If I ask every one of us here at the beginning of the year, who set a goal to uh, exercise twice a week or three times a week? Most of us will raise hands. Raise our hands up. If I say, how many of you have been exercising uh, in the last two months? Some of you have even forgotten where to start the exercise from. Because we're quick to set goals, but we are low on commitment. Praise God. What vision will help you do is to be big on commitment. You might not even be shouting your goals all over the place, but your commitment will produce the fruit of that goal. Write this statement down. A God-given purpose and vision will put restraints in your life. A God-given purpose and vision will put restraints in your life. The human nature does not want any form of restraint or control. Self-control is assumed at many levels as weakness. Self-control is assumed as weakness. If you've got money and you're not spending it, they say, ah, what is it? What? What? They, they, they feel you don't know how to spend. You're single. You want to keep yourself pure. People feel something is wrong with you. Because having girlfriends all over the place is, is a sign that you are alive or active. Because by nature, self-control is interpreted as weakness. You know, for some people, you can know what is wrong in their life. All you need to do is just check their Facebook page. Because as they feel, they post this world. Hmm. People trust no man. You know that something is wrong. So when you look at their status, you can tell their emotions. There's no self-control. There's no restraint. Is impulse. We live in an impulse-driven world. And if a man is a man of vision, there has to be self-control and restraint. If your vision do not give you restraint, you do not have a vision yet. If there are no restraints concerning your vision, you do not have a vision yet. You know, even as a pastor, even as a minister of the gospel, you know, I've got to put restraints on my life to study. Do you think I feel like studying all the time? No. But I have to study. In fact, I've got a prayer program. I'm, I'm doing a prayer, prayer stuff now. Just praying at certain times in the day. And yesterday, they needed to walk in the house. And that was the time I was to pray. And they were to walk in the kitchen. And I mean, there were several things going on in the, in the, in the facility. And they needed me there. So I told the man, I said, listen, this is my time to pray. So you'll be doing your work, I'll be praying. They were walking in the kitchen. I was praying as if they hit the thing stronger. I raised my tongues because immediately I say, ah, "Yeah, let them just finish." You know when they finish that thing, six in the evening. Are you following what I'm saying? There's got to be restraints. That's why most of us go days without studying the Bible. Just get up. Oh, oh, read chapter again. I read in the evening. Oh, evening. Let me just sleep. Father, I thank you for your mercy. It's grace. It's not by reading the Bible. It's grace. We now build a theology around our weakness. Have you heard people who don't pray for long say it's not by praying long? It's not by praying long. It's not how long you pray. Those are lazy people. They can't pray long. Why was Jesus counting the hours when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane? What was he looking at his clock? He said, you cannot pray with me for one hour. Jesus prayed on the stretch for three hours. He looked at the time. 
The same person will say, you, we don't need to pray long. Every other thing he does in his life is long. Football is long. Movie is long. Chatting with friends is long. Are you following what I'm saying? It's only prayer that it doesn't have to be long. Never build a theology around your weakness. You will self-destruct. Because if you convince your mind that this thing I'm doing is okay for my destiny, your body will never respond to change. Are you hearing this? Look at this. Vision will make you live a narrow life. Vision makes you live a narrow life. You are not everybody. You are somebody with a God-given purpose and potential. You're not everybody. Can we go to Judges chapter 1 verse 13? I want to finish this. Let me show you something here. This scripture helped me very early in life. Very, very early. Very early. Ah, man. <laughs> in fact, people who are close, close to me now, uh, in my younger days, younger days, I was more I would like to say strict or harsh or something. I'm, I'm a bit more lenient now with yeah, people around me or something. <laughs> I remember the first little argument myself and my wife had when we were cutting was she brought back my book and the back was squeezed. Ah! It was as if you squeezed my life. <laughs> so, see, I, I mean, you, you can't, my books in good shape. Because those days we're spending time in books so we can find a pathway. Nobody was born loving how to read. We all cultivated the habit. I don't like books. No. Is it me that like books? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why at a point I stopped doing audio books because I, I felt, I, I mean, there's this thing about just sitting down and opening the book and reading and underlining and reading and underlining. There's this thing about sitting down and getting the job done. It's a restraint. Look at this. Judges chapter 13. I said this when I was in the university. I drew a triangle in my room. On top of the triangle was classes. The left-hand side was my room. The right-hand side was library. That triangle guided me for four years. I went to Delta State University. I went to Abrakan. We had a beach in, that, in, in the town. The day I knew the location of the beach was my final year after I written my final paper. Because when I was going to that school, that's what I told myself. I'm not here to go to the beach. I can't tell you what people did not say. He's not social. He's not. I'm not here to be social. There's an assignment on my life which requires certain levels of discipline. And for the four years, people knew you could find me anywhere. If I'm not in class, I'm in my room. If I'm not in my room, I am in the library. And you know, that discipline has kept me till date. Are you following what I'm saying? If you don't die to what people say, you will never fulfill your vision. I'm very unapologetic about my choices and my mode of life. I've never been one that is intimidated by what everybody is doing. Because of what I carry, the substance on my inside. And that's why today, even in ministry, you can either find me just in my house or in the office for until I travel. You can't see me anywhere around town. It's a mode of life to accomplish a certain level of purpose. Look at Judges chapter 13. Let me show you this from scripture. Now the sons of Israel... 
Again, did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and had born no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have born no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Look at this. Now, therefore, be careful. Everybody say, be careful. When you have a vision, you have to be what? Be careful. I give an analogy of when a woman is pregnant. When a woman is pregnant, she has to be what? Be careful. Be careful of everything. Can't jump around. You can't do certain things the way when, even when you sit. There are things you have to be careful of. What you eat, where you go, and a couple of things like this. Look at this. <laughs> not to drink wine, not strong drink, not eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God, very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to his son, and you shall not drink wine or strong drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again, that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. Teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. Now look at this now. Verse, uh, verse 9. God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of, of God came again to the woman as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah and her husband was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came the other day has appeared to me. Then Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? <laughs> and he said, I am. Manoah said, Now when your words come to pass, what shall be the boy's mode of life and his vocation? Underline that. What shall be his mode of life? The king James said, What will be his manner of life? That means for that vision to be able to come into actualization, there need to be a mode of life. There need to be certain restraints so that what God has spoken over his life will come to pass. Where there is no prophetic revelation from God, the people will cast off restraints. Certain disciplines in your life are required because of your vision. And I gave this analogy. Where I read social studies education, so it wasn't like I read one solid course like that. I think for the first one year, when people asked me what was I reading in school, I just said, man, school is not easy. I received social studies when you're meant to read in accounting, banking and finance and all of those stuff. But you realize that if you had a medical school, medical college in your campus, you realize that your lifestyle and the lifestyle of the medical students were not the same. Because after four years, all I needed to do was chalk, to write curriculum. If I tell you the history of Nigeria wrongly, it might not impact anything. I can say Usman Danfodio is from Enugu. It's just wrong information. Do you understand that? The day you now realize that Usman Danfodio is from Sokoto, you now realize that, ah, so our teacher says, man does not have sense. It, it won't impact anything. You might lose one or two jobs. or It won't impact your destiny. Do you understand? But do you realize if a doctor diagnoses a wrong illness, you can die? Do, 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 so, the restraint of a person like me who read social studies and the restraint of a doctor can't be the same. Because the visions are not the same. 
Now, it would be foolish for somebody studying medicine to compare himself with me and say, look at those education students. They are always having parties. They are always going everywhere. Are we not all human beings? No, we are all human beings, but we don't all carry the same implications. What is it about your life that is unique that you're not building because you want to be like everybody else? I'm a minister of the gospel. There's a restraint on my life. What has God called you to do? And most of us want to live like others. We want to live like celebrities. We want to live like people whose vision are not even connected to our vision. What is this boy's mode of life? The quality of your life and purpose determine the restraints you put in your life. And for some of us, let me say this. For some of us, we are building something for generations to come and inherit. We need to be careful. I always give the analogy of my grandfather. If you write A as big as this house, the man will think is a ladder. Has no idea what the alphabets are. Just a fisherman. But he wanted his child to go to school. So he restrained himself. Was able to manage to put my, my dad through secondary school. And after secondary school, you could become a teacher then. But then my dad knew he wanted to further. And the, the money was not available. So my dad used to pick oil from the village, go to Warrior and sell. And when he has sold, I mean, there's one upstairs in McDermott Road. He's always pointing that upstairs to us. Every time we're driving close to that upstairs, myself and my brother would say, yeah, that's the upstairs. Because my dad would always say it was their head that built that upstairs. He'll go there and carry concrete during holidays to pay himself through school. You see, my dad couldn't live the way certain of his friends in school was living because he was building a vision. And then, come down to my generation. He was able to send us to school. Now, he tried his best. I didn't go to the school I wanted to go to, but I went to the one he could afford. And I remember at SS2, there was no money to do SS3 fees. So, it was either they used the money for the fees to pay my enrollment, or I go to SS3 and I don't write work. So, I opted to write work. And when my father was buying that phone for me, he brought one man close to me. man's name is Mr. Oibo. So Mr. Oibo was sitting here. My money was here. So my father said, this is your Waek money. Neko and Waek. This is your jam money. If you fail any of this one, I don't get admission. This is Mr. Oibo. You will go and learn how to repair bikes. It, it was not uh, like you've been writing Waek seven times. Then you have seven credits. One credit per sitting. They say, bring your results. You are stapling a, 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 a handout. You say, 97, I got E in economics. He said, let's combine results. <laughs> when I was writing CRS, final paper, I was sick. Literally sick. And he said, no, I can just fail that course. I said, no, to you, it is CRS. To me, this course is either I go to school or go and learn. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not my vision. I will throw up, I will come back, I will write, I will throw up, I will come back, I will write, I will throw up, I will come back, I will write. I think I had maybe like five A's, two B's in that course. All my two results, all of them. I passed everything. So, when you see me reading, I wasn't reading because I liked reading. I, I was reading because that picture was on my head as my vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Most of us don't have a strong dominant picture on our head. That's why we constantly need counseling. I don't require motivation for what God has called me to do. My motivation is self-inherent in the vision. 
Try and read books now. Try. <laughs> you know, I remember one of the trips I went to the US. And then I was coming through Turkey. I went to US and I bought books. It was like two bags. Books was full. I had forgotten that I needed to buy something for my family. So I was at the airport excitedly. And I snapped the picture and sent it to my wife. That, ah, I bought this book. So this, and I said, Do you buy anything for us? He said, No, he said, You will stay outside with those books. <laughs> And to be honest, I had finished all my money. I called one of my friends, please send something to my account when we get to talk. But you see, that, that's a compelling vision. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Your vision, I'm going somewhere, will determine your choices. So you will not need to be encouraged to put money where your vision is. I was, telling, I was telling her during the Sunday school class when we were trusting God to break through in this level and get certain level of increase when we saw any book on prosperity we bought it. You see somebody trusting God to learn something about a subject you will see a book on that and walk past it. Can't forget I'll tell you this story. I need to finish this. When Dr. Leroy Thompson wrote the book Money Comet some of you have read that book Money Comet the book then, when he released it, was 1,100. My weekly allowance, my, not weekly, my monthly allowance was like 2,000. So I went home and then they gave me 2,000. And I needed to buy that book. So I bought that book in worry for 1,001. There were just about three bookshops that used to sell foreign books. I've always loved to buy foreign books because they stay longer. So there was one bookshop at Airport Road, there was one at Estate, and then there was one at Winners Chapel. So I bought it from the one in Estate. The man knew me because sometimes I had to pay for months for books. There are some books I was paying 100 naira for. It took me six months to finish the payment. So I bought the book. Now I'm supposed to leave on the remaining money. So I bought the book 1,002. So I had maybe like 900 left. Paid my tithes 200. To my school was 200. So I now had 200 naira to leave for about two weeks before I got home. So how can we survive in this? So there was a bread they were selling 50 naira. So I'll buy bread, 15 naira, a car, 15 naira. I'll divide it into two. Morning and evening was the first day. Genesis chapter 1. That's <laughs> because, number one, I won't beg. I won't ask. But I mean, God had mercy on me. And I think a couple of my friends, you know, just blessed me. But you see, that's what vision does. When you see me eating a car in the morning, a car in the evening, you would think that, ah, the man, he does not like food. No, no. That's a big mistake. Sometimes we want to prove to people that we like certain things. No, it's not that we don't like them. There is a constraint on our life because we're going somewhere. I mean, there's no devil in hell that can make me eat that way today. Even if the devil wants, I will close the church and just start. There's no food at home. You won't go home. Do you understand? But you realize what I'm trying to say? You see, the things you are trying to show people today. That people should not look down on you. Permit them to look down on you. The day will come when they will have no choice. They cannot absolutely in no way look down on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One word you must love in this life is the word process. You must like the word process. Things need to go through process. We are losing this in Christianity. Everybody seems to be in a hurry. Your vision will put restraints on your life. There are boutiques you must not visit at a certain stage of your life. 
You know, people do throwback pictures. I can't do my throwback pictures. They are very embarrassing. <laughs> I do throw forward pictures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's got to put restraint. So you say, what will be this boy's mode of life? Vision to control all your choices. Restraining yourself from many things is so you can fulfill your vision. When you know where you're going, you should know that all roads will not take you there. Your vision is your permanent address. That's why destiny is connected to the word destination. You know, in this movie, in Alice's Wonderland, you know, Alice said, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? Then Chesar the cat said, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice said, I don't much care where. Then Chesar the cat said, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Because if there is no specific destination, then any road can take you there. You know, most times when you go to the airport, large airport, not like a small like this, that have only one destination. When you go to the airport, the fact that you are in the airport does not mean you can't miss your way. Because they can announce your flight and you're not here. So maybe you're in the airport and you're flying to Ghana, but you like the people that are flying to... <laughs> I mean, you know, this life is funny. I remember the first time I was on an NGO trip to, to Belgium. The first time I traveled out of the country was, was, was on, on the World Bank scholarship stuff. So, we were to go to Belgium. And then uh, we stopped at Amsterdam. Uh, what's Amsterdam airport? Skipo. Skipo, right? Yeah, that's Amsterdam. Big airport. Massive airport. That was the first time the village boy was landing in airports. You realize that when you have watched some things in films, you think you know them until you show up. I mean, that day, ah, I was on every queue. I will I I be on this queue until I get to the front. Say, where are you going? I went, skip I'm saying, I'm looking for my connecting flight to Belgium, to Brussels. They said, no, this is going to New York. Ah, I'll carry my bag again. Until, it's like I walk so much. Well, one police <laughs> met me. Where are you going? And after that, they say, okay, you can read the board. I say, yeah, but I used to see this board in film. Oh, so that's a, But you realize that if I decide to say where, I don't like the people going to Brussels. And I go and hang out with people going to the U.S. When their flight comes, they will go to the U.S. When my own flight comes, you realize that I'm late. Some of you are hanging out with the wrong crowd. Listen, they are not the wrong people, but they are the wrong crowd. One of the things you must do in life is to limit your friends. Some of you have too much friends. It's not a competition. You can know many people, but you have to limit your friends. Because your friends will ultimately determine your direction. Are you following what I'm saying? You're hanging out with the wrong crowd. This crowd is designed and built for the U.S. You are going to Ghana. Go to those where... So, in case you don't hear, when your neighbors hear the announcement, they can wake you up and say, it's time for us to leave. Come on, are you still here now? So, every destination cannot take you to your destiny. There's got to be restraint. Some opportunities are not consistent with your vision. John chapter 6, verse 15. Let's, let's go quickly. John six fifteen. Some opportunities are not consistent with your vision. In John chapter 6 and verse 15, the Bible says, So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Jesus is called the king of kings. Remember what we did in this series for this course. Jesus said, now, most times it is kings that force themselves on people. It's people that come and say, I want to be your king and force myself on you. But here was a reverse case. Right? The people wanted Jesus as king. How many of you think that's a good thing? 
That's a very good thing. But if you look at the message we did for this course, you realize that was not his purpose. What did he do? He rejected the offer to be king. Listen, some good opportunities are distraction to your destiny. Sometimes people come and sit with me all the time and give me fantastic business idea. And my default answer is no. It's not as if I don't want to make more money. I've seen too many ministers derail from what God has called them because they are trying to make money at the same time and preach the gospel. I've heard people say, oh, you travel to these African countries. When you just go, just buy their material. When you come here, people want their material. You know, like we go to Ghana. You just bring the Ghana kente. It's one bag now. Hey, what are you doing? As you just come with the kente, you just tell Then when you go back again, before you know, I will just be buying kente left and right. You will, I'm not preaching again. Then I'll say, God has called me to raise millionaires. Then before you know, when I see you, I will not be asking you now, why didn't you come to church? Say, do you have yellow kente? I'm telling you, it's a good... Who think, who, do you think I don't need more money? I absolutely need more money. But there is a restraint. Because not every good opportunity is vision opportunity. If you don't know how to say no to good things, you will never excel in life. You can't attend every party. You can't be available for everyone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? And the problem is, people immediately you say no, you have become haters. That's our, our society is so emotionally driven. In fact, most times when I teach messages, I'm not teaching to teach you, I teach to restructure my life. When I began to prepare this message and God began to deal with me about this, I left many WhatsApp groups, left many of them. Some people are still offended with me till today why I left. But I realized that they were not contributing to my vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Rather, they were making me angry all the time because they post things that make you angry. Post things that make you angry. And anger is toxic. Young boys to see guests group. You are there. Young girls to see boys group. <laughs> you are everywhere. Administrator, chief secretary, chief press secretary. You say you are making impact. You are wasting life. Because life is measured in time. Why don't you commit to one thing and excel in it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at Luke chapter... Let me show you something here. From the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4 verse 42 to 43. Jesus had such an impactful meeting. And then the people in the city say, Oh, stay here and preach. He says, No. Luke chapter 4 verse 42 to 43. He says, We have to go to other cities. Because that's why we came. When they came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Verse 43. Go to verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom to other cities also for I was sent for this purpose. Can you see that? His vision determines his restraint. He says, stay in this city. Sometimes your place of comfort is not your place of vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, talk to me church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, stay here. He said, no, I was sent to go to other cities. So, I don't determine where I stay by comfort. I determine where I stay because of my purpose. If you have purpose, it will determine your location. We will talk about that on Wednesday. Purpose, places and people. Our geography matters. Where you find yourself matters. Come on, are you still here? He says, no, I have to go to other cities. There is a purpose. There is a timeline. There is a map. There is something I'm following. It's restraining me in such a way. It's not just because I like to travel. I've got to fulfill purpose. Don't allow other people to come into your life and change your vision to do something good with them. 
couple of months ago, months ago, someone came in, came all the way from Abuja. Says, oh, I want to, I'm planning to have a motivational seminar in town. People have told me about you. I want us to partner together to do it. I said, when they told you what I do, what did they say? Say, you're a Bible teacher. I said, that's what they told you, right? Say, that's what I want to be known for, for the rest of my life. I'm not a life coach, not a motivational speaker. So the answer is no. Was it convenient? No. But that's purpose. Because before you know, I will not be saying you need to fire to aspire to retire, don't retire, aspire, achiever. And then before you know, nursery rhymes will fool everywhere. If you perspire to aspire, the picture you don't future, you won't future. If you want the picture, you have to future in the picture for the future to the future of the picture. And then, even me, I will not understand what I'm saying. No, sir. Thank you. But no. And it's not like I don't know motivational speaking. I've read books by Ben Tracy, by Anthony Robbins, by Les Brown, by all of these guys. But that's not my purpose. Something can be good, but it's not for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? It can be good. Everybody can be doing it. Listen, when I talk about the restraining power of vision, I'm not just talking about bad things. I'm talking about good things that takes you away from your purpose. It's good. It's not good to spend money. It's not good to do this. It's not good to do that. Yeah, but listen, will that contribute to your own vision? To the assignment that God is putting in your life? Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? Now, withdraw from opportunities that are not consistent with your purpose. Your vision is from God. Do not miss it. It's possible to miss a vision that is from God. Can we, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15. Let's talk about this. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 15. This story was really interesting to me. In Nehemiah, well, let's just look at this. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15 to 23, when the whole issue of Tobias and Sambalat came up, you know what happened? The, uh, it's a long reading. Um, can we just read quickly? When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated that plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. Quickly. Verse 16. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the walk, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, the breastplates, and the captain were behind the whole house of Judah. Go to verse 17. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried bodies took their load with one hand doing the walk and the other hand holding a weapon. Can you see how these people were working? One hand held the load. One hand held the weapon. And if you read down, it says that they did not change their clothes. They wore the same clothes. To walk. When you look at them, say, Why are you wearing one shirt? They were doing that because of purpose. The discipline, the constraints. I said to the nobles and the officials, the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we're separated on the wall from each other. Go ahead. Verse 20. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. 21. So we carried on the walk with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appear. A man will hold a spear from morning till evening. Go to verse 23. Uh, verse 22. At that time, come up. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servant spend the night within Jerusalem so they may be guard for us by night and laborer by day. So they were doing guard by night and laborers by day. For some of you to fulfill your purpose, you have to take night jobs or work by day and school by night. It's called discipline for your purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
You have to. Sometimes you might have to use your night for something else and your day for something else. You might need to use your day for your job and your night to build the dream that God is putting on your inside. You cannot sleep like everybody and expect to end up successful. Look at the discipline in your life. Go back and read the story. Verse 23, please. So neither I, my brothers and my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took this weapon even to the water. Can you imagine? They wore the same clothes to walk. This one was not a case of, uh, I, I, I don't know how to, to wear one cloth. It's not what you know how to, it's what is required. We are too emotional when it comes to destiny matters. I have stood reading before. I needed to finish a book before I sleep. And I was feeling sleepy. So I read, I was, I was reading a book, I was reading a book. I was holding, I was reading, I was holding, I was reading, holding, reading. Someone say, eh, if I read like that, I will not understand. Why will I not understand? If, if I don't understand, my body knows that it will not sleep. It's my brain. It's good to rest. We have pushed this rest thing into slumber. People are lazy. Lazy. <laughs> People are lazy. Listen. Listen, if you don't discipline your, your body, it will lead you to failure. Your body, was not, your body is not always in love with the things that will help you. Even with food. You know, you say, I just like ice cream. Just, just like ice cream with, 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 with cheese toppings. You know, you can live like that for the rest of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the default of life is failure. And you see, somehow, because of the way we are raised in our society, we place more emphasis on the certificate than the process. That's why you have graduates who don't even know what they studied in school. Because they never read. So, sometimes you say, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, you will not fail me. God, no go shame us. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then, ka, 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 made the exam. Pass. What did you study in school? Mechanical engineering. Okay. They give you... Uh, electrical electronic engineering, they give you television that has electrical problem. It was just one small, this thing you had to change. This thing caught fire in your shop. Ah, my enemies. This one work I have, that is I will not have peace of mind. No. I've never been one to, because I understood this, I've never been one to value certificates in that sense. I mean, I remember when I finished from school, people were going for convocation, graduation, I didn't go. When I finished my theology, this thing, well, of course, I'll go for that graduation, but it wasn't because of the certificate. When I was studying theology, because I had a first degree before and I've done a couple of courses all over, my school offered that I'll do master's, but I wanted to study theology from the scratch. I, I declined and started from bachelor's again. And did a three-year bachelor course in theology. It's, it's see, I'm not like, yeah, I have a master's in theology, I have a doctorate. No, it's not for boasting. It's because I wanted to learn. So what did I do? I had to put myself back to study again for a second bachelor's. If some of my people were like, no, well, you have to, they will give you masters. No, it's not because of what I wanted them to give me. It's because of what I, wanted, what I wanted to learn. When you have a compelling vision, decisions become easy. I remember one time I was preaching in South Africa and then I left here and we had exams 
two hours before I was to preach, I read all through the plane. It's a six-hour flight. From the time the plane took off from Lagos till it landed in South Africa, I was reading. No sleep. All through the night. Landed six in the morning. The exam was to be seven. Wrote the exam seven to eight. Went to start preaching by nine o'clock the next day. What are those constraints? There's a constraint of vision. You can tell your body what to do. You can tell your mind what to think. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can tell your money where to go. In Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17, 21, 17. He says, he that loves pleasure will become poor. Proverbs 21, 17. If you love pleasure, you will become poor. That means what you love ultimately will determine what you become. If you love discipline, you become successful. I want to beg you, this message will change your life. Most of us seated here know the right things to do. It's the commitment to do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know friends that are destroying you. It's the emotional energy to pull out. You know things that are taking your time. The day I read the story of Ben Carson, when his mother told him, his mother was working in, in a rich people's home, go and read that story, gifted and she should read it. The mother told him, you have to read two books in the library, write a report of the books. That boy was dull, was the dullest in their class, himself and his brother Curtis, who is an engineer. And his mother gave them the discipline. His mother was not educated enough to even know what they were writing. And that man became, at the age of 35, the head of neurosurgeon, the first black neurosurgeon, head of neurosurgery department of Hopkins University, Baltimore, Maryland. How did he do it? He put himself on a self-constrained plan. The mother did that. You can rise from failure to success. Go and... The, the liberties you have are too much. Your TV is on 24 hours. Even when you are sleeping, say, hey, God, can somebody just sleep quiet? Leave the thing on. It'll disturb you. You know, if not for my kids, I mean, our TV is practically, I mean, see, <laughs> our TV is practically, practically just there. I don't have the time. During the lockdown, I wrote three books. This book was part of what we wrote. In fact, the time to rest now is there. I remember one day my, my kids came to the office. They said, we have a question for you. They said, which day is your day off? That was the question. <laughs> because it, this thing is, is self. It comes from the inside. Where you are is not your resting place. In this part of the world, once we're a bit held and shoulder above the other person, we just rest. After all, I'm not begging for food. Life is not about begging for food. What about that purpose that God gave you? What about that vision that God laid in your heart when you were a child? What about the teenagers? What about the ministry? What about the call? What about the nations that God has called you to impact? What are you going to do about them? One of the things I want you to take from this message is to cut down many things in your life. Cut down many things. Say, sorry, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I want to be focused on this so I can excel. Even if it is to just raise your children, it can be your vision. The mother, Susanna Wesley, the mother of Charles, Charles and John Wesley, raised seven boys. Out of the seven children the, the woman raised, two are world changers, John Wesley and Charles Wesley. 
if you if we look at ourselves, we don't have time for children. At workplace is zero. We are scattered everywhere. No maximum impact. No maximum influence. You need to cut down on some things so you can fulfill vision. Four ways people live. Just give me about ten minutes. The training anyway, so... Four ways people live without vision. How they run their day. Number one, there are some people who live their day scattered. Everybody say scattered. Say it one more time. Say scattered. Our schedule is full but does not reflect our purpose and priorities. Scattered. You do this by 2 o'clock. Do this by... You are just everywhere. Scattered. Day is not aligned. Number two, there are those who live their lives and day hurried. Let's use day because your life is made up of your day. Hurried. We are busier than we want to be but don't know what to change. We are always running late in everything about life. Hurried. People live scattered. Some live hurried. The third class, they live reactive. It seems we are never in charge. Always responding to demands. Always responding to demands. As God began to deal with me, and this even as a pastor, the Lord began to put this in my heart. Sometimes because of the heart of the shepherd, we want to be there for everyone. We want to be there for everyone. But if we keep on living like that, the depth of our fellowship with God and the depth of our study will reduce. That's why the apostle says, we will give ourselves to word and prayer. You give yourself to administration. So we can have ample time for what makes our life. Do you have ample time for your purpose? Number four, the people who live exhausted would end each day weary and discouraged, unsure if we have spent it well. Then there are people who live their life purpose-driven. They live as planned. They live as planned. I think while technology is one of the greatest inventions we've seen in this century, it's one of the greatest distractions that we've seen. Are you following what I'm saying? One of the greatest distractions. It's called digital distraction. And I want to say this. Social media was not designed for you. It was designed with addiction behind it. The technology behind it is addiction. Go and watch the documentary called Social Dilemma. And watch how it was designed. It was designed because that's why you see that they keep bringing out things that keep you. Have you realized that for instance if you click one particular video. Maybe a short video. Then it goes on to a place where hundreds of videos. Huh? Yeah. And if you watch what's going on in social media right now, if you chat about something or you talk about something or you converse with somebody about something, then the adverts around that thing starts popping up because they picked your interest. So those people are busy working. You are busy scrolling. Do you realize that no matter how much you insult the president of the country or you insult the country on social media, it won't change a thing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to face your own government. Because your own government is self-destruct. They should do their best. But what about your own life? How orderly are you in your government? How orderly are you in your life? What roads have you constructed in the last one, one year in your own life? What have you built? Hey, infrastructure, infrastructure. There is no infrastructure in this country. What infrastructure have you built in your own life? Rather, the ones you had, you had lost them. Last time you picked up a book to read diligently was two years ago. And that was because you had aptitude test. Since then, you are waiting for destiny helper. You realize that if you don't constantly task your brain, it degenerates. Have you realized that? Come on, have you realized that? How, how many people were very good in maths when they were in school? Very good in maths. And then they switch 
jobs. Maybe you were very good in maths. They now took you to go and be doing something that is not related to maths. And then your child now comes up one day. You know, my, my, my daughter asked me one quantitative reasoning something one day. Ah, I look at it. I look at this, this and I say, you know what? When I was in school, eh, we didn't have quantitative reasoning. We did sums and arithmetic. This thing, I have no idea what it is. Now, of course, if I task my brain, but you know, I don't even know whether if I task it, there will be answer there. It's like, you know what? If you have Bible question, eh, come and ask me. Go and meet your mother. And that's why we're even paying teachers. Eh, Gideon, why are we paying you guys? Do you, do you realize what I'm saying? But it looks like a simple mathematics, but because I've not exercised myself over time, you, you, you understand this? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Constant practice is what brings perfection. You know, the last time I was preaching here, I was telling you how I was beating my son in PS4, right? I mean, I should complete that testimony. The man consistently in the last one week has been trashing. Like, the guy just beat me. <laughs> I now realize that, no, no, no. This thing is not by strength. Right? Because the man is... You know, the, the, the way he plays daily and has the time to play daily, even though I'm his father and I started out beating him, if I don't consistently practice, it has shown over one month that he has grown. Because life does not respect I'm the one that bought it. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm the man of the house, I'm the man of the house. You are making noise. There are things that prove manhood. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm the pastor of the church. I'm the leader. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. Do you know who I am? We don't. We actually don't. It's and you are overrating yourself. If you are as important as you claim to be, we will know. But for now, I'm sorry, we have no clue. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you don't bring your life into a place of personal mastery and consistent development. Scripture says, even that which he has will be taken away from him. Are you, are you following this now? Let's wrap this up. If you prioritize your life and plan your day, but you do not follow through, your results will be the same as those of someone who did not prioritize at all. So if you have a plan and you did not follow through the plan, your results will be the same as the person who even did not have a plan. Your purpose cannot be the last on your agenda. Commit to few things and be effective. Come on. Everybody say, I will commit to few things and be effective. Alright. Restrain yourself from saying yes to everything. As people live daily, so their life will be measured. Because life is measured daily. Now I want us to look at this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. Just give me five minutes. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Come on, are you learning something this, this morning? I want you to go back home and think about your life. Take out a piece of paper and review. You can be more than you're here now. And I'm not just talking about having more money or something like that. I'm talking about becoming more effective. Some of you bought books at the beginning of the year. You have not finished it. Messages you downloaded, you've not listened. But you are busy. You're busy. Call of God on your life has not been processed. Because you're too lazy to pray. Too lazy to seek the face of God. You are everywhere. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 6.12 It says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I like this translation. It says, 
He says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. What, what are you becoming a slave for? There are habits that will take you down. There are habits that will take you up. I have a friend. He speaks very fantastic English. My English is not as good as his. But you know how he speaks those English? That man has been learning one English word every day since we were in primary school. If you tell him a specific word, I can tell you four or five words you can use for that same word. Yeah, I don't have that stuff. Right? But then, when we're talking Bible, I can tell him, well, this is the Greek word for that. And he will say, you do Greek, I do the English. But you realize how we came to that level of proficiency and mastery? Because we gave ourselves to it. Listen, you cannot be a master over what you don't give yourself to. But this life operates in that system of being master. So this is what happens. If you're now a master of something, something will be a master over you. There's no vacuum. Laziness can be a master over you. A little sleep, a little slumber, and then your poverty will come. Guaranteed result. 1 Corinthians 10.23 1 Corinthians 10.23 Paul said this. When we're allowed to do anything, good new translation, 1 Corinthians 10.23 We're allowed to do anything, so they say that is true, but not everything is good. We're allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. That word edify means to build up. It says all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Ask yourself, this thing, is it profitable to me? Are, are you following what I'm saying here? Come on, talk to me, church. Are you following what I'm saying? The way you are spending money, is it profitable? Is it profitable? You know, sometimes in life, I wonder, you know, we live, we live and we oh, this thing is not enough. Things are not. But sometimes you look at some of those old women who built houses and raised children from just going to the market. Just going to the market. What was, what, how did those women do that? Some of them refused to join meetings. Some of them refused to live bogus life. So they can save and send their children to school. That restraint was for a purpose. Here you are, chew is expensive. Smartphone is expensive. Everything is expensive. Because you just want to earn one million a month. And they even ask people who are earning one million a month. They still need more. So it tells you that it is not the amount. It's the lifestyle. The mode of life that you have cultivated. Time is constant. You determine what would happen by your activities. Every year, listen to this statement, every year can actually be the same year for you for the rest of your life. I've always taught you that here. People get excited about a new year. 2021, 2022, 2053, 2072. You realize when General Sani Abacha gave us Vision 2020. How many of you know when Sani Abacha gave us. Have you forgotten Sani Abacha? Forget Sani Abacha. That man can come from give and slap you now. General Sani Abacha gave us vision what? 2020. Do you realize if as a nation we lined up behind that vision, we committed ourselves to it, as we celebrated our 60th independence, we would have been celebrating the actualization of that vision. But when he said, Vision 2020, the thing is too far. Ah, what is it? We want to have 20 now realize that we are here and that vision is not fulfilled. Some of you have heard the story of Dubai. How they cast the vision and they follow through that vision. So, you see, this thing I'm telling you is not, it's not so much about God. It's so much about you. That if a man would cast the vision and follow through Genesis 11, it says that thing which they have proposed will not be impossible to them. Why? They were committed to building a tower that would reach up to heaven. But this is the difference I'm 
This is the difference. Where the difference is very subtle. You cannot go and just craft visions for yourself. That place when he says where there is no vision. The Hebrew word there is where there is no prophetic revelation. Just like it happened to that we read in Judges 13. There is something about your life. There is something God wants you to do. And that thing would require restraint. Boundaries are not set to please or offend people. Boundaries are set so we can manage our vision. Boundaries are not set to please or offend people. For instance, if I say I'm not available for the next two hours, it's not about pleasing you or offending you. It's so I can have two hours to do what? To manage my vision. Are you following this? Since we're about entering another year, and I've said this very sad statement, I'll repeat it again. Every year can be the same for you if you don't change something in your life. So why you're actually shouting Happy New Year is actually Happy New Calendar. Some things need to be adjusted. So I want you to take, take a look, and, and, and you know me. This is how I prepare you for next year because I'm not having a crossover service for you. I'm starting to get you ready for next year by these teachings. So you begin to do your review. What are you going to stop? Which things do you need to leave? What restraints do you need to put in your life? There's too much liberty in your life. You need to cut it down. If you have too much time in your hands. The school I was planning to do master's degree, they told me last year that they're going to start up this year or something. They wanted to work on the curriculum or something. Then I had that free period in my hand. And when this COVID thing came up, I was like, yeah, so what am I going to do? I just like learning. I registered in Bible school to do another diploma in theology. Well, they emphasized something different, so I wanted to learn that. And you realize that because of that decision, the lockdown period was very productive for me. Because by December, I had just finished one year in that school. Second semester. We write the second semester exam in December. Some of us had six months, five months of lockdown. Instead of contributing to our vision, we were angry. So we took six months to argue if there was virus or no virus. It took us six months, that debate. Counting figures, updating, checking. Six months is gone. Life after COVID has started. What did you build in the last six months? What capacity did you build? Now the world is waiting for solutions. You don't have anything. Back to the argument again. You didn't come to this life as a commentator. There's a commission over your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Again, you have time. From October 1st to December 31st is 90 days. You can alter a lot of things in 90 days. You can alter a lot of things. And I want you to alter them so that when you get into next year, you're excited. Are you still here? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that light and life shine forth through this word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email 
info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.